We have received tons of questions about putting as a follow-up to what Fred Shoemaker shared with us. So we're going to today take a deep dive into putting and talk about some of the things that maybe we don't need to really worry about that confuse us more than they really should. So let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everybody, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thanks for joining me here today. Looks like my audio is loud. Let me adjust that really quickly. That's better. Hopefully that didn't blow you out too much. We'll, we'll fix that in post. And it sounds very important, but it's just me. I'll fix it in post with some software. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining me today. We have had such a great response from the interviews that we had with Fred Shoemaker that, um, boy, we're just going to kind of keep on, keep on keeping on. We'll have another episode with Fred Shoemaker tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, the um, episode that we had last, I, I did a, a full, I mean, it was like a 45-minute 50-minute interview with Fred Shoemaker, and we covered a lot of ground. And so I've been going back through and breaking them up into certain topics. And the last one on putting just kind of blew up. And a lot of the questions have come back to have me go deeper into why that made such a difference in the way I putt now. And so I thought that that was a, a really good topic. So I wanted to jump into that. Um, and, and putting is something that I've loved for a very long time. I think it was because when I was little, we had a um, a local golf course that my grandpa and his brothers liked to play. And so they would take us there and they would leave us on the putting green. We couldn't go play. We couldn't do anything, but we could chip and putt. And so we would literally chip and putt for four or five hours as they were. I, mean, I was there to have grandpa time, but um, and I guess technically it was, but there was just a bunch of us uh, grandkids there, cousins, chipping and putting all together, which was totally fun. Enjoyed it. But that's, we had all kinds of putting contests. And it was amazing to me how much we learned, just how good we became just as a bunch of little kids with no lessons, no formal instruction, nothing. But we got to be pretty good putters and we expected to make, you know, about everything. And so that was sort of the first, uh, at least in my mind, I always thought since I was little, I was a, a really good putter. And then as I got older and tried to figure some things out, you, there's a transition there, right? As you start to get older and move into golf, you start thinking that somehow or another, you need to learn some stuff, some techniques, whatever, and become a good putter, that you have to train yourself to become a good putter. And you'll, and I went, I definitely went through this stage and I, I mean, I practice putting all the, all the time still to this day, but I don't practice the same way that I used to. I mean, I used to take out a chalk, a chalk line, a chalk line, excuse me, and make lines on the grass, which I, they frustrate me like crazy right now. I used to have tees with sticks on, I mean, with strings on them. I used to do all that stuff and used to try to get really, really proficient and about, you know, my stroke, about my stroke, stroke, and work on that to make sure that it was always, you know, 100% correct. And, um, it took, it, it took me away from being a feel putter. And so I got to be very robotic and, and frankly, not very good. And so the story goes, and it's, this is the one that I kind of led and asked uh, Fred the question on is that I, I was at his school. I was frustrated to be at his school because I was 
basically thrown in with a bunch of beginners and I didn't feel like I was a beginner. Now, I wasn't great. I was like an 18 handicap, but I, I didn't want to be with a bunch of beginners. And, um, and I'd been playing golf since I was, you know, well, old enough to play golf. Frankly, when they started letting me on the course, my grandpa would take me out and we'd play. And I had gotten good and bad, but um, at this particular time in my life, when I went to the Fred Shoemaker School, as many of us do, we kind of start to realize, look, if I don't do something, I'm not going to like golf much longer because I'm literally getting worse. My golf game's getting worse. And so I went to Fred Shoemaker School uh, with a friend of mine with under his, um, I, I guess, with his advice. I went with him and we went and attended the school and it turned out to be great. But I was frustrated when we got there because I was with beginners. And the first day, Fred kind of put me in my place with the throwing club uh, episode. And you can kind of jump back and listen to how Fred did that to me. Really got egg on my face, but I needed it. I was a bit of a pill. And uh, so I appreciated it, but it put me into a better place of learning. And we were out on the putting green and I had kind of positioned myself up on this corner. It's at Carmel Valley Ranch. And I heard that they're redoing the screen, which is great because the uh, the practice screen they had there forever has been basically unusable. I mean, like three quarters of it's just on such a slope that it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. But so it sounds like they're flattening it out and going to take some room and, and actually make a putting green that's helpful. But I was over on this corner and it was the, I think it was the, it's the southwest corner of the green. It's on a, a kind of a big angle. And so I was kind of putting up there at this kind of weird hole. It was a big right to left breaker, and it, but it was only about 10 feet. And uh, Fred was walking around talking to everybody, kind of going over their strokes. And he kind of, you know, eventually worked his way to where I was and watched me putt for a little bit. And he was kind of behind me. So I knew that he was coming in my direction, but I didn't know exactly where he was. And then I hear a voice come. I, I'd putt, you know, I don't know how, how many he watched. I literally, I don't know how many he watched, but at one point he says, Hey, what's your target? And I kind of was like, you know, exasperated. Like, what are you talking about? There's only one hole anywhere near me right now. Obviously, that's the target. And so I kind of said, well, you know, the hole. And he's like, well, no, it's not. And then I, I kind of turned around and looked at him like, well, you know, what are you talking about? I think I know what a target is. And he said, well, if, if that was your target, you would have made one by now. And I will always remember him saying that. You, If that was your target, you would have made one by now. Because um, making a putt is not that difficult. It's actually pretty easy. It's one of the easiest things we do on the golf course. And yet we make it super complicated by getting nervous and freaking out, not trusting our stroke, not trusting who, you know, not trusting us. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> not trusting our own natural abilities. And so we turn it into some kind of a, um, a almost a connect the dots formulated situation. And, and then we become horrible putters. Frankly, we get really, really bad. So I want to kind of touch on that. I wanted to go from like green reading to all of it and why, you know, Fred, just one comment that Fred made to me, that comment right there started me on an incredible journey to become, <clears throat> to get to a point where I can just trust myself and that I know how to put a golf ball and I, and I don't have to sit around and worry about it anymore because it's just, it's who I am. It's part of who I am. It's not something I do. It's literally who I am. And so... <laughs> I wanted to get into that a little bit today. So first and foremost, one of the, and I, I think that there's the reason we become very robotic putters it really isn't our fault at all. There is so much media out there about how we should putt and much of it becomes so, um, you know, conscious that we should be doing this and should be doing that. And we need to make ourselves this and make ourselves do that. 
And the, the sad thing uh, about putting is because it is one of the easiest motions and because the club head speed isn't all that great, sometimes we can use conscious thought to um, actually improve our putting. And so we start to believe that we need to use conscious thought to be good pu- to be good putters, where it's no different than the golf swing. Unconsciously, we're always going to be better than we will be consciously, period. And so I want to talk about that and why that has sort of kind of come to the forefront and come to be when it comes to putting in my life and really anybody who has become uh, an amazing putter um, has 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 developed this 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 skill and it, it's really and and not developed this skill through any um act of their own it was literally built inside them as they grew up and learned to walk okay so that's what i wanted to talk about some of the things that really i think mess us up a lot when it comes to putting is this idea <clears throat> there's some ideas out there that have been propagated over the years that um, make us believe that um, this is the way to play golf. And and I think that especially with putting, some of that um, misinformation has been perpetuated a lot longer than some of the misinformation we were fed with the full golf swing because we don't we haven't put the emphasis on using technology to really, really analyze putting as much as we have on the full golf swing. And because the full golf swing happens so much more quickly and there's it's a such it's, it's such a more complicated move that sometimes we don't, um, we don't re- putting and an analysis of putting and how to putt uh, better hasn't really kept pace with, some, you know, track man and, and all this other technology that we can use to analyze the full swing. Okay. Does that, hopefully that I got that point across. And so we are still perpetuating a lot of really bad misinformation, a lot of really, I guess, it, all misinformation is probably bad, but we, we are operating up with some really poor information and some of that. And, and, and you'll notice, you'll probably have heard these things a hundred times. One, that the green somehow or another, uh, slope to the valley and slope away from a mountain. Okay. Total garbage has nothing to do with it. Zero that, um, somehow or another, the, um, the grain and the grass grows towards, you know, the sun and that has, a an effect on your putt. Um, if it does, it's minimal and, and you can erase any of that with just slightly more pace. So that's not really something to ever think about or worry about. Um, walking up to the hole and seeing which way the grain is growing is a complete waste of time. Seriously. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand it at all. And we did a whole bunch of um, like research and stuff with, on, and again, it was just, Personally, but we went out and looked at, and it had absolutely no effect at all. Um, anyway, and then that, um, what are some of the other ones that we get? Um, that if you see, if you are on one side of the the hole and you see it, uh, you know, the break one way and you go to the other side of the hole and you see a break the other way, it's just a straight putt. Um, I actually do typically play them more straight than not, but they're still usually a break that is uh, more prominent than the other. Um, but I will say that when I think it's a straight putt, I tend to hit it harder. So they probably do become straighter putts, but um, to take, you know, cause I don't want to hit something straight and have it not be straight. So something inside of me makes me hit it a little bit harder. And I also think that it helps you when you trust the line a little bit. So we need to get away from that, that I, that thought. 
I mean, and, and think of it this way. Any golf course designer who has, you know, the ability to groom a green can negate any effect, valley effect, mountain effect. They can negate all of that just by structuring the green differently. So literally you could have, you could have a, a course designer could very easily, um, build a golf course on the side of a mountain and make sure every single possible putt that was running parallel to the mountain broke to the mountain. Could do it just by leveling the green differently. It has nothing to do with that. Um, now, the course itself would be built on something that sloped away from the mountain. I get that, but you can grade that break. You can grade that tendency out of a green. And then it's just straight up gravity, folks. And so I've always had a problem with, I believed that for years. And then um, the science of it, the data of it proves it to be wrong. So you can take a level and walk around a green that is on any prominent, if you have a course that's up on a hill, walk around and drop the level down and see how many of the putts actually break towards the, towards the mountain. They do not all break away from the mountain. Period. It's just how the green was graded. And so throw, we need to throw all these, these, uh, these tendencies, these predictions, these, I don't know, these thoughts that uh, were perpetuated for all these years and throw them out. The science, the data does not back up any of that at all, period. It's just simply the law of gravity. That's all we're dealing with and the slope and the speed. It was, that's what we're dealing with. The length of the, the green, that's all we're dealing with. Okay. So that's first part. The, the, the real, one of the problems that I see too with with sort of consciously looking at the grain and consciously kind of doing all that sort of stuff is we, if we do that too much, then we take away our natural ability to really understand how to make a ball roll a certain path to fall into the hole. And, and it goes back to that conversation that I had with Fred. And for those that have heard it before, I apologize for those who have not. It's, it was a, it was a situation where Fred was watching me putt. I couldn't make, a, I didn't even sniff the hole on a 10 footer, a right to left breaker. But so there was a lot of balls scattered about that had either from me or from other students that were all about the green. Well, he picked a ball that was about, I can't remember, it's like 15 to, you know, 10, 12 to 15 feet. It was past the hole. And he said, look, on this particular putt, I want you to look at the Nike swoosh on that ball. And I want you to putt this ball to hit the Nike swoosh on that ball. Oh, and, and I know we're talking a pretty good right to left break. I stood up, I looked at the Nike swoosh and I putted the ball with, again, looking at the Nike swoosh. I wasn't looking at the ball at all. The ball rolled up, a big breaker. It hit, it hit the, it hit the golf ball right dead center in that Nike swoosh. And that was like lightning going off to me. Like, are you kidding? The man says one sentence and now I'm like the best putter on this green. Like, oh, I, I was, probably the worst. And now I'm the best putter on the green. And he's like, now that one, he picked another ball with another swoosh. I nailed it. And it went, this thing went on for, I don't remember, 10, 12, 20 in a row where I just kept hitting ball after ball after ball. And he's like that. And, and he literally just said this to me. Now those were your target. And he walked away. And I sat there with my head spinning going, what, what just happened here? How did I go from, I didn't apply any new techniques. I didn't read a book. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't 
look at the hole one way or the other. I didn't analyze the putt to any of these golf balls that I hit. I literally just stood up and putted the golf ball and it hit a Nike swoosh, a tiny little bitty Nike swoosh on another golf ball dead center. How in the world did it? It was literally the best putting display of my life. And it was arguably followed by one of the worst putting displays of my life. And it changed in a second. So how's that possible? Well, it's possible because we have inside of us what has evolved to be one of the most magnificent analytical devices, and that's just balance. When we learn to walk, we learn to balance. We don't think about it. When we walk on a side of a hill, when we walk on a side of a hill, we adjust so we can walk on a side of a hill. A hill. I don't know why I keep saying heel, but hill. Right, we just we just walk. When we turn and start walking downhill, we walk downhill. When we turn and walk uphill, or if we turn around and walk the other direction along the side of the hill, we just adjust and we do it automatically. We do it without without thinking about it. We do nothing to adjust. It just happens. Okay, so our bodies already know how to be on an angle or an incline and adjust, so we don't fall over. We're brilliant. And this happens, all this process happens in, in, in seconds, in microseconds. This is all going on and happening, right? You could run down one way and turn around and run back the other way on the side of a hill and your body will balance and be just totally fine with it. You know, it, it's going to be fine. We're not thinking about it at all. Okay, so we need to tap into that and we already have it. But that's what needs to be unlocked. That's the secret. That's what we have to focus on. And that's the kind of golfer that we need to become. That's the kind of putter that we need to become. So we become so interested in, t- in the target that, that we can actually hit that ball. Now, for me personally, I have gone back and forth to looking at the hole, not looking at the hole. I don't think that that's the point. You can picture a target in your head so vividly that you know that's your target. The problem then becomes trying to keep the conscious mind on all of these techniques and things out of it. When I hit those Nike swoosh balls one after another, or the Nike swoosh on the balls, I was not thinking about technique. I was not thinking about club, I mean, grip pressure. I was not thinking about club path. I was not thinking about club head. I was thinking about nothing except the Nike swoosh on the ball and the fact that Fred Shoemaker was watching me. So I wanted to do exactly the way he said to do it. Um, and I just looked at the Nike swoosh. I trusted Fred Shoemaker and I hit the Nike swoosh. I, it was, it was unbelievable to me. It still is. Um, but I have been, now that I understood that it wasn't easy to stay there, but over the course of the last 12 years, I think that was 12 or 13 years ago, um, I have gotten closer and closer and closer to the point where I now putt like I did for those 12 putts with Fred Shoemaker watching me. And that is essentially trusting of the brilliance that's inside of me that I have no control over that developed over time and evolutionary, you know, the evolution of all that too. I mean, my dad and his dad and my grandpa and granddad and everybody who's coming, all of that evolution, all of that practice, all of that expertise and effort has been pushed down into now my DNA. And I am a very um, accomplished person at balance as are all of you. And we do that by, as we walk, our body senses the terrain and we step on the next, you know, we stick the next step on, 
stick out our foot for the next step and we automatically make these adjustments. So um, I do like to walk um, a putt. So I will walk from my ball along the path to the hole just to feel it, but I'm not consciously trying to feel it. I'm trusting that my body is walking along that path and is getting all the information for itself. I'm not trying to think to myself, it's uphill, it's downhill, it's this, that, or the other. I am literally doing everything I can to not think about putting. I am walking to the hole and I am walking back. I am looking at the flowers. I am feeling the breeze on my face. I'm doing whatever I can do. I'm talking. You'll, you'll, if you play with you, notice I'll probably be talking as I'm going and making that walk. It's not me focusing on what I'm walking and what I'm, it's just me allowing my body to take that walk and subconsciously process the path on which the, the ball is going to roll. Then I sometimes will circle around. It just depends on where everybody's ball is. You don't want to step in anybody's line. You'll walk back to your ball and I'll set up. And I do have a little, I like to set up and make sure that I'm, I feel really balanced and loose and comfortable, but I'm just trying to get comfortable. And from that point, I am picturing the ball rolling in the hole. Um, typically, you have a good idea which side of the hole it's going to roll in, and I try to match that up as much as I can. But the biggest thing is I try to picture the ball rolling into the hole, and then I pitch, then I, I pick something either on the back of the hole or right in front of the hole or whatever, and that becomes my target. I stay focused on that, and I just swing the putter. I don't think about my grip pressure I will kind of go through a, a quick checkup before I pull the putt back to make sure that I'm relaxed and that I'm comfortable. That's it. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to feel like I'm out of balance. I think that messes up the systems. So I get in balance. I get really stable. I get really comfortable. And then I just let it flow. And that is by when I can get in there and just focus on a target and just let it go. Whether I'm looking at the ball or not, I, I look at the ball now because I have this tendency to sway. So I'm really, I am distracting my conscious mind, creating that, that frame to make sure that I don't sway, right? And I'm not trying to stop myself from swaying. I'm just paying attention to see if I do sway or not. I'm not trying to stop it or make my balance stay centered or any of that. I'm just trying to pay attention to it. As I picture the target and the, I picture the ball going into the target, I, I get sort of this frame where I'm going. I, I, in my mind's eye, I can see the, the target that I'm putting at and I just let the putt go. And that has been by far, um, when I do that the best, that is by far the best putting days that I will have. I, there is no conscious thought. I do not, I, I do like to walk up to the green and kind of take the whole green in, sort of how it looks, because I think that that's good information, but I'm not making any decisions on how my putt is going to move necessarily right then. I, I will make general assumptions like, oh, it looks like that's going to maybe probably move uh, left to right, you know, based on what I can see here. But I also know that eyes lie, that we can't take it all in and that golf. And we need to remember too that architects are all about trying to mess with what we see. Okay. So we have to assume that they've done something to that green to make it look one way and perform a different way. They're just that diabolical, right? How else could you have that? That's got to make it so much fun for them, but take that into consideration. So I got, I love to get a good. Uh, lay of the land, probably more so because it's just gorgeous, right? Walking up to a green complex and seeing how it's all put together is just, it's, it's art. It's a masterpiece. Every single one of them is a masterpiece. So take that all in and stuff, but I do not consciously want to control the way I put a golf ball. I want, you know, evolution. I want the, 
my amazing ability to balance and walk and move and um, control all the things that go on in my body subconsciously. That's, that's the unit that I want making the putt. I don't want the conscious unit making the putt. I don't want that the conscious part of me is a horrible golfer. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's the main point. So when we practice putting, we need to really get to the point where you are focused on where you want the ball to end up and go from there. Now, I, I will say this. I do love the, their voice caddy has put out, uh, I think it's called the putting caddy or I've got one right here. Just a second. Okay. So this is the little guy right here. So voice caddy puts it out and I attach this to my golf club and I can't even, it's too small to read, but I think it's, it's just the, if you go to voice caddy, it's just, I think it's the putting caddy or whatever. If you go to their site, it's a fantastic tool. So I do like to practice, um, kind of feeling where the face is, uh, just to build awareness, but I do not use this tool to control anything. I, um, oh, I, sometimes I mess with my stroke and mess with face angles just for fun. But when I get out and play, all of that's gone. I just react to a target. I, I still remember very clearly in my head, Fred, Fred saying to me, where's your target? If that was your target, you would have made one by now. And think to myself, you know what? It's really about me, a putter, a ball, and a target. And that's it. The rest of it can just take care of itself. And all of us are that brilliant to be excellent putters after changing, you know, just changing what we're doing, focusing on a target. Literally after one sentence, we can go from the worst putting of our life to literally the best if we just trust ourselves and trust our ability to analyze and take in all the information on every putt we have. So hopefully that's helpful. It's been super helpful for me there. It, putting has never been more fun. Putting has never been more fascinating to me than it is now because I am just amazed at how good we are as human beings at figuring stuff out that the, the data that we can analyze and, and how we can then react and utilize that data without any conscious thought at all is it's unbelievable to me. It's seriously so fascinating. So please tap into that. Let your body react to a target. Fred says that all the time. Let your body react to a target. Trust that you already know how to swing a putter. Trust that you already know how to analyze break, that that's built in innately in you. And that's how you can walk. That's how you can balance. It's We already have it. We already have this amazing system. Let's tap into that and quit using the remedial system of the conscious mind. Um, hopefully that's helpful to you. Thanks for joining me today. We are into it, right? They are playing at East Lake right now. I'm excited to turn on the TV and see how things are going. If you want to go back and listen to the episode with Fred Shoemaker on putting, it's episode 161. It looks like it was put up on um, August 9th. So jump back and listen to that. This one will make a lot more sense if you listen to that episode first. Till next time, Aaron Stewart saying thank you for joining me. Go out there and have a great time golfing. It's starting to cool off in the morning, so we got to get this golfing in. Enjoy yourselves this weekend. Enjoy the Tour Championship. Until next time, please remember, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.